everybody. Welcome to the final episode of One in Five from Bully to Healed in celebration of National Bullying Prevention Month. For this special segment, I am so pleased to feature a great friend of mine who is a licensed associate counselor and is working as a therapist. For confidentiality purposes, her name will remain as anonymous therapist. Today, she will be offering some amazing clinical mental health recommendations, not only for one in fivers everywhere, but also for those who bullied them. Anonymous therapist, thank you so much for offering your professional insight as a healing light for both victims of bullying and bullies around the world. Thanks for having me. Of course. So would you please introduce yourself a little more to my listeners by sharing how you were inspired to go into the field of psychology? Sure. When I was 14, I began attending therapy for family problems, and I felt so understood and supported by the therapist that I knew then that I wanted to pursue counseling as my profession since it was so influential for me. I love that. That's so wonderful. You know, when I grew up being bullied for many years and I had felt those negative effects from it, I was so close to pursuing a career in psychology as well. I think that is just such a wonderful field and I really admire you and all the therapists out there that do so much great work for the world. Oh, thank you. Of course. So as a therapist, how many clients have you worked with who either were bullied or were bullies themselves? I would estimate about 30% of teenagers that I worked with talked about being called names or pushed or shoved or having rumors made about them. I had a few clients who were afraid to go to school because they thought they would be unsafe, how often they would be shoved into lockers or what would happen to them. But I would say about half of the teenagers that I've worked with have talked about some type of unhappiness about their group of friends, whether or not they feel like they don't have enough friends, they felt left out, or they weren't comfortable enough with them. So that would be the most common thing, you know, is people feeling alone. And you know what's really fascinating about this is that you're just one therapist and look at the number of people that you've worked with who have dealt with bullying in some degree. That just goes to show how incredibly common bullying is. Hence, one in five. The statistic is one out of five students are bullied daily. And for your work, it just goes to support that right there. For clients who are victims of bullying, is the bullying just occurring for them in school or is it in other places such as at home? It could be anywhere, most commonly school and virtually, like on Twitter, on um, Facebook, MySpace. That's a good point to bring up about it occurring virtually on social media, and that's really defined as cyberbullying. In high school, I experienced cyberbullying as well, and unfortunately, due to the growth of technology, we see the precedence of cyberbullying growing and growing just as rapidly as technology is growing every day. But the one thing I also love about technology and specifically social media is that it provides an outlet for people like me to get the word out about bullying prevention and spread awareness about how crucial this issue is around the world. Right. For clients who are bullies, are they targeting others as a result of being bullied in the same places we just mentioned? I haven't worked as much with people who talked about being bullied other than some children and teenagers talked about being violent in school. Often they struggled with their emotions or they had an aggressive parent. One time when I was a teenager, I kind of bullied someone without realizing that I was doing it. This was a friend of mine and she broke my trust and I was really hurt by it. So I thought that I was helping everyone else by telling them how they shouldn't be friends with her. And I made a group of not being friends with her. 
And I didn't realize that was bullying. I thought I was helping other people because she hurt me so bad and I don't want other people to be hurt. So not everyone knows that, that it is bullying. And sometimes, you know, they're projecting their own feelings on other people. For example, like my parents broke my trust. So I believe I was projecting some of those feelings onto them. That's really interesting that you say that because in my previous episode with Ava Marvel, that was one thing that she had talked about that she had become a bully herself at one point. And there was another girl who had bullied her and it turned out that she was projecting some of her insecurities onto her. So I really do think that that is an internal issue with bullies is they tend to project their internal insecurities out there onto other people. Or it's the situation like you had experienced where there is someone who broke your trust or who hurt you. And then that in turn caused you to hurt other people. And I really admire you for coming out and admitting that because I know that's something that's very difficult to share. I think it's just as difficult to share that you were bullied versus that you actually were a bully yourself. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So then what are some of the most common short-term and long-term mental health effects to being bullied? Anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, feelings of hopelessness, isolation, substance abuse, suicidal ideation as well, you know, where you have thoughts of wanting to hurt yourself or kill yourself. What would you say is among the worst of the long-term mental health effects? Probably feeling hopeless because when you feel hopeless, it's so hard to reach out and get help because you think it'll never make a difference. That's a really good point. But then what about short-term and long-term mental health effects of those who are bullying others? Sure. So people who bully others tend to struggle with coping with their emotions, having remorse for other people. They might struggle with connecting with other people or be projecting their own feelings about other relationships or their own history of being bullied or their own mental health symptoms. So then out of those, what would you say is the worst long-term mental health effect for a bully? It could even be the same thing, hopelessness, you know, where they feel hopeless in themselves and then powerlessness, maybe powerlessness, powerlessness in themselves. And then they're projecting that on trying to have a sense of power over someone else. And when you look at the actual definition of bullying, they use the word power in there, that it's exemplifying one's power over another. At what point should a victim of bullying or bully start to see a therapist? As early as possible, the better. I mean, especially when victims start feeling like they're having more symptoms where they notice on a daily date where it's hard for them to get out of bed, it's hard for them to focus in school, they feel alone, they feel hopeless. So that would be when it's you know even more important, but as early as possible. And for perpetrators, the same. I mean, they're placing other people at risk and they probably have their own feelings underlying that was never processed as well. I agree with you on that. I think that going to see a therapist as soon as possible is so crucial because it's going to help alleviate some of those long-term effects that a victim of bullying or a bully might experience. And really, it could even prevent it. And I know for me, myself personally, I wish that I saw a therapist earlier on because I think that it could have prevented some of the long-term mental health effects that I still struggle with. So then is there a specific kind of therapist that a victim of bullying or a bully should be seeking? Not specific. It would depend on the person, you know, themselves and what their individual challenges are. But some good resources are mobile response and perform care are very accessible for children. Do you mind expanding upon what mobile response and perform care are? 
Sure. So they are, they can provide in-home counseling support and it could be based on in-home counseling support. So they respond to their behavioral needs whenever, you know, they're first contacted. And is there a way to find mobile response or perform care on the internet? Is there a specific website you could go to or someone that they can contact? Perform Care's number is one 652 7624 All right, that's great. Thank you so much. And then what about mobile response? Mobile response, you can call one 652 2624 Those are really great resources. I've never heard of either of those before. So I think that would be very helpful for a lot of my one in fivers and for a lot of the bullies out there too. What specific type of therapy should a victim of bullying or bully be receiving from a therapist? Also, I would say that that could vary based on the person. I did cognitive behavioral therapy to cope with being bullied when I was a teenager, which I found helpful and a lot of people find helpful. Um, But there's a wide range of different approaches that could be helpful as well. I had also received cognitive behavioral therapy and I noticed that that had helped me as well. And I've been doing a lot of research lately on the different kinds of therapy that could be applied. As you said, it really does depend on the kind of symptoms that a victim may be experiencing. But one that I thought was very interesting was called psychodynamic. And I know that kind of therapy dives into your past. Yeah, so that type of treatment I'm very familiar with. So that talks about how your early childhood experiences, especially ones that might be unconscious to you that you might not be already aware of, how that could be affecting your behaviors now. So for example, like in me doing reflection on why I was so angry at that girl that I bullied as a teenager was I realized it was because I didn't process my feelings towards my mom breaking my trust. So it, you realize how you could be projecting feelings on other people. It's so wild to think how that situation with that girl had this connection with your mom. And I don't think that you would have ever realized that unless you, number one, went to see a therapist and number two, pursued psychology as your career choice as well. Can you think of any other kinds of therapy that would be helpful for specific kinds of victims of bullying or bullies? For bullies, a behavioral system might be helpful. They focus on behavioral modification. So that could be helpful for someone who might be hitting other people in class and thinking about how to cope with those feelings. That's very cool. Well, thank you for that. So is there a specific amount of time that a victim of bullying or a bully should be receiving therapy? Not specifically. I mean, it would depend on when they reach their treatment goals and they're not a risk to themselves or someone else. And when they're feeling like they're in a better place and don't have other goals that they want to work on. That's something that I've always been curious about is how long people will continue to see a therapist. I think there's some people out there that might do it continuously. They start and they do it for essentially the rest of their lives. And then there's other people who, let's say, for example, and I know it's not so much related to bullying, but maybe they had recently lost a family member who had cancer. For a situation like that, maybe that person would go to see a therapist for six months. Sure, sure. If you were to partner with a school in bullying prevention efforts, what kind of program would you develop to improve mental health resources for students who are victims of bullying and bullies? 
I think there should be more education on what is bullying, why people might be bullying, including why perpetrators might be doing it and why victims might be doing it. What are some differences in peers? Sometimes people get picked on for something being different about them and people don't understand why. And if they have more of understanding of it, they might be more sensitive to that. So appropriate ways to respond to differences, learning more ways to communicate one's feelings and identifying safe people to talk about their feelings with. We also tend to focus a lot on negative behaviors in our society, but we could also teach people more of better ways to act by praising good behavior. So if we created like an incentive program for people who are activists at school or supported other people, that could be a great way to spread awareness as well. Another big problem, which is similar to bullying, but a little different, is intimate partner dating violence with teenagers. So there's been a lot of research on different programs that have been really helpful in other areas. They're not as commonly used in the United States, but there's a lot of research to support their effectiveness, so that should be more commonly used. I think the key word here is educating others. I think that's what's so crucial when it comes to schools. And I think that, and I know I've said this on previous episodes, but from a federal standpoint, the United States government has done a really great job with taking leaps to protect victims of bullying and to also have schools educate students and teachers about what takes place and what are the effects of bullying. But I do think that there's more that can be done. I really do think that there's much more that can be done. And I think it's really interesting how you brought up intimate partner dating in teenagers. You don't think of that that often. And I know you said, oh, well, it's not quite like bullying, but I really do think it is. I mean, Mm -hmm. you, I think you can apply bullying in so many different kinds of perspectives, like how you had talked about at home, that that's kind of like one kind of bullying. And then this dating violence in teenagers. I mean, how common is that? It's much more common than we think. So then how about developing a program in partnership with, let's say, a random office to combat bullying within the workplace? Yeah, I think there should be more programs. I feel like the biggest factor is someone who's really trustworthy in HR or someone that someone is really safe that they can go to in that workplace. That would be what I would need in order to talk to someone about being bullied. I've had a decent amount of programs come in and about it, but I was never comfortable with HR, so I would have never been willing to do that. So someone that really understands, you know, a way to make someone feel validated, to support them, to understand where they're coming from, and to have a way that they can assure confidentiality in addressing any bullying that's occurring. That's really a great idea. And I really do hope that at the federal level, that's something that the United States government will start doing is start developing programs specifically for workplaces and kind of making it a federal law. I really do think that it's something that's very important that there should be a designated safe person that you can speak to about that. So I think that that's a really wonderful idea. Now, how about developing a program in partnership with the mayor and council of a community? Sure. If they could check more on people, how they're doing, educate them more on resources and provide more incentives for different activist efforts, I think that would go a long way. And I think that, again, kind of talking about the growth of technology and social media, they can really take advantage of that. They can really take some great advantage of that and provide resources on there and to be able to check in with people, maybe even giving a specific phone line You could even do that too. So they could call in, whether it's calling in directly with the mayor or calling in with some appointed person on the council to discuss about whether there is some bullying that's taking place throughout the community. 
Now I'm going to switch the subject a little bit more here and ask, what is one piece of mental health advice that you would share with a victim of bullying or a family member of one? You're not alone. This can get better. Especially, I mean, teenagers often feel that high school will just never end. You know, they'll always be stuck in this negative feeling. So to realize that a lot of this is a lot harder for teenagers and that they're not the only one who feels that way and that there's nothing wrong with them. They're going to grow up and not always face this challenge. For family members, I'd say talking to your kids about online safety, what is bullying, who are okay people to talk to online, when to know, when to cut off a conversation, how to build healthy friendships, you know, being really involved in groups is really helpful, like the big brother, big sister groups, sports teams, and giving their kids resources like second floor youth helpline, youth crisis lines. Sometimes kids might be more comfortable reaching out to them as opposed to a parent so that they have that resource and the parent's okay with that. And, and if there's any, you know, groups that they can be involved with anyone that's struggling with similar things, like if they're exploring their sexuality, like an LGBTQ group would be great for that. I know you had mentioned about this second floor youth helpline and the youth crisis line. What are those? Do you mind just kind of expanding upon what both of those are? Sure. The second floor youth helpline, if you, for people between the ages of 10 and 24 living in New Jersey, if you have a problem, you can call or text, which is what really caters to youth and because they're often more comfortable with texting at 888-222-2228. For crisis line, you can contact 1-855-654-6737 or go to www.newjerseyhopeline.com. Thank you so much for sharing about those. Once again, that's something that I had no idea existed. So that's wonderful that you know that. So thank you so much for sharing about that. And then you had also talked about different groups that people can join. So how would people be able to find these groups? I would think maybe find it on social media or maybe there's some sort of mobile app that's out there. Do you know of anything? That- sure. You okay. could you could go into Big Brother, Big Sister has a group and you could put yourself, there tends to be a waiting list, but to apply to get a Big Brother or Big Sister and they could take you out into the community and do different activities with you. So how, creating a good role model for you. You could join a rec team. You could join, um, there's different LGBT groups they could join. For example, New Jersey Lesbian and Gay Collision um, includes helplines, housing information for youth who are um, in that community of LGBTQ, which can be called at 732-828-6772. Awesome. Thank you so much. So now how about sharing some mental health advice for a bully or a family member of one? Helping them to see how counseling could help them. So for example, that might look like it seems like you're really angry at that person. It must be hard to live with so much anger. You know, therapy has helped a lot of people with their anger. Why don't you give it a try and encouraging them to be more open to that. Do you happen to know about any groups that bullies could participate in that help with their anger management? There are groups focused on anger management specifically. I don't have the name of where, but that is something that they could look up specifically. If they just simply wrote, let's say, anger management group in my state. Yeah. Then it would pop up find something, yeah. All right, great. So then speaking of that, what kind of online resources can victims of bullying easily access to help them better understand and process their traumatic experience? The hopeblind.com they could go on to. 
can you just describe a little bit more about what hopeline.com is? It gives you the opportunity to talk by phone, by chat, by text, by email about your experiences and get help. That's great to know. And also, believe it or not, Stop Out Bullying actually has their own help chat line as well, specifically for victims of bullying. And you can just instant message them right online. I know they're available only two days a week, unfortunately. I really hope that they can expand their availability to seven days a week. So I really encourage everybody out there, if you want to support an anti-bullying organization, definitely place some of your support at Stump Out Bullying because their help chat line is something that I think would be an incredible resource for victims of bullying and even bullies themselves. And I would love to eventually see that help chat line connect with the suicide prevention hotline. Yeah, that's a great idea. How about easily accessible resources for bullies? Would you say basically the same thing? Yeah, the crisis lines are really great in getting them involved with counseling. All right, that's good to know. And obviously taking advantage of social media just by doing a simple search. There are so many different kinds of groups out there on Facebook too. So that would be very, very helpful for them. Now for my final question for you, is there a last piece of information about the strong relationship between bullying and mental health that you'd like to reveal to my listeners? Yeah, I will also say there tends to be a ripple effect in the impact of bullying. Like if there was one suicide in the area, it's more common that there'll be multiple suicides. So if you're personally affected by bullying or if you know someone that is personally affected, those are all really good opportunities to reach out before you experience any more feelings about it. You know, 13 Reasons Why kind of illustrated that message as well. There is also the traumatic loss collision is program that goes into schools to talk about how that is common. Something to be aware of that could be helpful as well. 13 reasons why it's really cool that you mentioned that because I know of so many people out there who feel so split between it. I either hear people saying, I love this show. I'm obsessed with it. I think it does such a great, I think it really exemplifies like what goes on with bullying and its effects suicide, even drugs. They talk about other issues that can arise from being bullied. But then there are other people that say that bullying and suicide and drugs and all those issues that many high school students can experience become glamorized. Yeah, it really gets in the mind of a teenager, which could be really triggering for a lot of teenagers. But at the same time, it also paints a picture of a lot of ways teenagers do think. Very true. And on that note, my one in fivers, I hope you heard that advice from anonymous therapist very loudly and very clearly. I can't stress enough how crucial it is for both victims of bullying and bullies to seek a therapist and mental health resources. Trust me, I know from personal experience how incredibly difficult it is to take that first step towards treatment. But when you do, you will realize that it was the best decision that you could have ever made. On top of that, you will have the support system of your family, whether by blood or not by blood, to remind you that you are absolutely and positively loved, cherished, worthy, and incredible, just the way you are. Anonymous Therapist, thank you so much for reminding both victims of bullying and bullies about this through your words of comfort and hope, as well as your professional insight. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. As always, thank you to my one in fivers for checking out this wonderful episode of One in Five from Bully to Healed. In the words of Jonathan Harnish, the strongest people are not those who show strength in front of the world, but those who fight and win battles that others do not know anything about. 
Until next time, take care of yourselves.